Hello, it's Denise from Women Beyond a Certain Age. We're so lucky we have a repeat guest, my friend Linda Civitello, who is a food historian and an author and a chef and a teacher and an instructor. But I'm going to tell you something. I, I've known Linda for a very long time, and I'm so grateful we reconnected recently just on a stream in Facebook. And I said to her, will you come be a guest on Amazon, on my, uh, I'm reading on Amazon, that's what, let me just start there. <laughs> and I'm so grateful we reconnected recently in a stream, some probably some radical political stream that we were both <laughs> answering on Facebook. And I said to her, would you come and be on my podcast? And she said, yes. And so hello, Linda, and welcome. Hello, Denise. I am so happy to be here. I'm actually happy to be anywhere. I know. But I'm especially <laughs> happy to be here. <laughs> Honey, I know it's been Linda and I were talking about off off microphone a few minutes ago. It's been Linda difficult. COVID hit retire, not retire, you know, I don't mean you, I'm the one retiring, but just the world has changed so much with COVID and um, thank God for Zoom and thank yes. God for good books that people can read and thank God for Netflix. That's the other thing that I think. Now, okay, speaking of Netflix, since I'm also, you know, I'm an expert on Bonanza, I'm also an expert on Netflix because I watch so much of it. Your book, what we're going to talk about on today's podcast, last podcast, we talked about your book, Cuisine and Culture, which I never taught a class without having that on the book list for people, whether because thank you, chefs, chefs, I don't care what you're going to be chefs, food stylists, food writers, people should know about the history of food, it makes them better at their jobs. But today we're going to talk about Baking Powder Wars, the cutthroat food fight that revolutionized cooking. Now, I'm not kidding you, Linda. This is a Netflix movie. <laughs> this I think so, and i've I've got uh, I've got the treatment ready. Okay, <laughs> then let me tell you something. If I I don't I have an agent that can't sell another show that I wrote. But if I tell her, I'm going to send my friend this and say, this would be a fabulous yeah. series. You know what? Because would. this, this is the dirtiest of the Gilded Age dirt. Okay. Right here in your kitchen. Now, this is how I'm going to, I'm reading this right off the product description on Amazon. You can buy the book on Amazon. First patented in 1856, baking powder sparked a classic American struggle for business supremacy. For nearly a century, brands battled to win loyal consumers for the new leveling, leavening miracle, transforming American commerce and advertising as they touched off a chemical revolution in the world's kitchen. Oh my God! <laughs> Well, I that's actually extraordinary. Now, I tell this one thing, and then you go. How did you decide to write this book? I mean, how did you know about this? Did you stumble on it? Were you how? How? Accident. Totalmente accidente. Accident. I was intending to write a history of breakfast in America 
And I'd spoken about that at the Culinary Historians of Southern California, where lectures are recorded. They're on video. You Got can it. go yes. on the Culinary Historians website and pull up lectures. I think my lecture, and it was called um, Let Them Eat Cupcakes, How Dessert Became Breakfast in America. Ah, and okay. because that's what's happened. The rest of the world has soup for breakfast. They have vegetables. Yeah. They have rice. Uh, you know, we're eating sugar. We're eating yeah. dessert. The difference between a cupcake and a muffin is a cupcake has frosting. A muffin has streusel. Or a yes. You know, it's anyway. So the history of breakfast, this is a huge topic. I'm thinking, oh, you know, pork, sausage, eggs, milk. I mean, these are massive, massive industries. So I thought, let me start with something small. It'll probably just be a couple of paragraphs, baking powders in a lot of the things we eat for breakfast. It's in pancakes, it's in waffles, it's in biscuits, it's in muffins, it's in quick breads. It's, you know, so a couple of paragraphs on baking powder just to kind of get my feet wet, get into the topic. So 10,000 pages later, <laughs> you know, court cases going up to the Supreme, United States Supreme Court, state Supreme Courts, state history, I mean, state health departments, governor's proclamations, advertising, uh, just memos, newspaper, this book, just doing the research for this blew me away at how much the press had changed because royal baking powder was behind this. And they were losing market share because they were expensive, they were imported, Royal baking powder was made out of cream of tartar, which is the dregs of wine processing. So gotcha. they were importing from Europe. And then here comes this mineral that's mined in the American South, the American West, and it's cheap and it's more potent. Uh, so for Royal, you were using twice as much and paying twice as much. So it was like four times as expensive. Okay. And they're losing market share because people are going, this other stuff works great. I have no problem with it. And Royal decides to start an advertising campaign that says all of its competitors' baking powders are poison. I read that. I couldn't believe it when I read it. There's no truth in advertising in the 19th century. Yeah. You know, none. Well, there's not none. that much truth in advertising in this century, but never well, there, there are some, yes, you know, you're right, you're right, uh, laws in place, but this, yes. well, well, no, it's misinformation. But so in the 19th century, just you could say whatever, and they got scientists or they paid scientists, they paid people to say whatever. Um, so you got wars that were between companies that made the same had the same formula, companies with different formulas. You had advertising wars, you had scientific wars, trade wars. You had women getting really passionate about this because you had a new profession. You had home economics. Um, the first meeting of the Home Economics Association was held in 1899 in Lake Placid, New York. And the president was Ellen Swallow Richards. There's a statue of her or a bust, I'm not sure if it's a full statue, at MIT where she wow. taught for years. I mean, a woman at MIT, this was, they now, had to enroll her as a special student. Okay, this, this is really, probably sounds, how did people find out about baking powder? Uh, advertising. Okay. Huge advertising. Okay. And 
actually the first time it the prototype that something that is a chemical leavener, leavener appears, exactly. is in the first American cookbook published in 1796 in Hartford, Connecticut. Okay. So another reason for me to be back here yeah, <laughs> um, in Connecticut. And she doesn't, the author is Amelia Simmons. The cookbook is American Cookery. It's I available for free at the Library of Congress, the yeah. Michigan State, um, you know, cookbook project. It's available for free online um, by facsimile. And she doesn't make a big deal of it. She just says she, it's called pearl ash, which is a super refined ash that housewives, farm women, you know, you could make. You put a big kettle outside, you cook this down, you refine it, and then you put it in your food. They were women. I, I say that American women invented cake. Got it. In this, because women had to make bread. Okay. This actually all goes to American exceptionalism, which people think means we are number one. It doesn't. When America was founded, they said, we are exceptional. We are different. We are not going to be like Europe. We are not yeah. going to be corrupt. We are not going to be that kind of straitjacket where if your father is in the Baker's Guild, you can be in the Baker's Guild, but your next door neighbor can't because his father isn't in the Baker's Guild. You know, your family does this for generations. It's very tightly controlled. Um, so we're going to be open. We're going to be a meritocracy. We are, we're going to be exceptional. We're going to be different. So we don't have guilds in America in the early times because people gotcha. who were in a guild in Europe, they had cush jobs. They're Got not going to pick up and leave unless, you know, they're unhappy or something. But so in the United States, well, not the United States yet. So we don't have this lord of the manor who controls the mill and mills the wheat and controls the oven so that you have to buy, if you're one of the serfs, you have to buy your grain from the lord of the manor. You have to, when you make your dough, you have to take your bread to the oven. You pay him for all of this. Right, right. You don't. And then when you get cities, you get guilds and you have a corner bakery. We don't have this in America. When people come here, bread is the mainstay. And it's not like now we say, would you like some bread with that? Then yes. it was, would you like something to eat with that bread? That's right. You're absolutely right. Because that was the meal. Sometimes you, if you read Jane Eyre, sometimes her dinner is bread and applesauce. Yes. The last meal of the day. Yes. So bread is the mainstay. People were eating a pound of bread a day. You would bake 30 pounds at a time, 20, 30 pounds. So women have to make their own yeast. They get this. It's a byproduct of brewing beer, and they're making beer out of herbs, out of wintergreen and every, you know, barks and herbs. They're making beer out of everything. And this is like science fiction. You come here from England, you have... <laughs> a little town, you have a baker, and now you're in America, your standard of living is higher because you have your own oven, but the responsibilities are massive because gotcha. you are now expected to bake bread every single day in addition to the main duties of women, having children, Yeah. okay? A dangerous thing, okay? Baking, 
cooking and making clothes for everybody, which is why if you look at colonial American kitchens, there's the hearth, there's the spinning wheel, and there's the cradle. They're all right there. Got it. You know, it's it's like the woman one man band. You got your foot over here rocking the cradle. You're stirring the kettle with one hand and you're spinning the wheel with the other arm. You know, it's it's like that guy in the Ed Sullivan show used to do the, yes, the plates all at once. Linda, it's, I bitch about unloading my dishwasher. So I want you to know, <laughs> I wouldn't allow, and I would never make my own yeast if my life depended on if someone was holding a gun to my head i wouldn't know how to make yeast nor would i want to know how to make well i mean you can capture it from the air this is one of the things we found out right after lockdown started when people like there's no more yeast there's no it's like you can't run out of yeast it's everywhere and this is why san francisco your hometown sourdough is so special because of the organisms in the air there that gave it its special tang yes so Anyway, so women have this tremendous burden and then it's, well, bread is the mainstay. And also they are being told by doctors, by professors and by the ministers that it's your duty, woman. It is your duty as the mother, as the wife. It is your duty to make good bread for your family. If you fail in this, you failed as a woman. Yes. You know, I mean, it is terrible, terrible pressure. And the room for failure is huge. huge. If you're making yeast, because yeast is, it's a big slurry. It's a big, messy slurry. You see this yeah. recipe is called for yeast by the pint. Well, how mm. do you keep that when you do make it from, there's no saran wrap. Yeah, there's <laughs> no, you know, there's no, Tupperware, there's no way to get that sealed. So there are all kinds of instructions how to wash the bottles and then corks and but still things are going to go wrong. Sure. And the woman is going to just get nailed for it. it. So they're looking for shortcuts. Is this not about us? Is this not about America? Are we not in search of the perennial search for shortcut people. It's true. It's true. Yeah. We want to do it faster and cheaper and better. That's right. right. And easier and, and easier. Foolproof. Right. Yeah. And it's not just that we want to. We firmly believe as Americans that there's a better way to do whatever it is. That's that true. Anything no, that's can true. be improved upon. So here comes this powder that's made from ash. And it's things like lye lutefisk, which means lye fish, you know, L-Y-E. This is a caustic substance. So you read it in some of the cookbooks, it's like, uh, you need to get whatever it is in the oven immediately when you put the pearl ash in it, uh, don't turn your back on it, get it in the oven because it'll start to rise immediately. And whatever happens, don't let it spill on the floor because it'll strip the paint off the floorboards. Oh, for God's sakes. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you look at this as a chemical leavener. There are a couple of things I just want to say from the book. I start the book by saying business is war. Cooking is chemistry. Food is political. Absolutely. And that's what the baking powder wars are about is you know all of these these wars but so here comes this chemical powder and amelia simmons mentions it 
And very casually, she doesn't say, oh, I found this fantastic new thing. And ladies, here, yeah. you need to know. It's just add some pearl ash here, pearl ash there, which means it's been in use that where she is, this is what women are doing Got when it. they bake. In England, they're like, what? What? Uh, you look at the, the British press and they're like, what is this? What is this they're talking about? This is fantastic. So then men start to get involved. And eventually by 1856, we get the first patent. And it's a Harvard professor of chemistry. Ah, okay. He patents it. And I think he wrote a treatise about bread. And his recipe is for a quick bread. It's a baking powder bread, Got which it. we now call quick breads. Yes. All of those banana bread, yep. big, big specialty during lockdown. Everybody's eating banana bread, right? Comfort food, cranberry, orange bread. Um, you know, all of these quick breads are baking powder breads. Got it. That's it. So baking powder starts to catch on and then... You do have to instruct women on how to use this. This is new technology. Sure, sure. And you see the change. Some places in the Midwest, it caught on very quickly. Midwestern cakes, especially. So do you want to eat bread that you baked five or six or seven days ago and made with yeast that maybe has some problems? Or do you want muffins or biscuits? that you made 20 minutes ago. Yeah. Or how about cake? Yes. So cake becomes the new food for social events. And you see, by the 1830s and 40s, you see cookbook writers like Sarah Josepha Hale saying, you know, warning women, young women are ruining their, their health and their lives by going out and, you know, they're staying out late, but they're eating cake. Cake should <laughs> not be, you know, cake should not be the main meal. Um, so... In the 1880s, you see cookbooks that are, they're like translations. You know, we have a dual language cookbook where you have the Italian on the left and the English yes. on the right. Well, these are dual cooking texts. So you'll have the recipe, the original recipe made with yeast or beaten. The other way you leavened yeah. cake was you beat it. And some of these recipes say, uh, beat for an hour. Yeah. So what are you beating it with? You got a nice whisk? No, yeah. tree branch, you know? Yeah. And it says like, have a male servant do this. Well, I am so sorry, but I replaced mine and I can't find him. <laughs> um, you know? So here comes baking powder. Got and it. it's just, so you have the recipe, the original recipe for either beat this for an hour or use this much yeast. And then right below it, the exact same food, but with baking powder. Got it. And then also the baking powder companies go on massive advertising campaigns. I knew the word gutter snipe as meaning a kind of a vicious person. I didn't yeah. know it was a real thing until I started doing baking powder wars because they would paint things on the gutter so that if you were on the curb there, if you were waiting to cross the street, You'd be staring at an ad. Yeah, I never advertising. Knew that. I right. have, and on subway stairs, 
on the risers. So as you're going up the stairs, you're, you're, you know, your eyes are always looking up and ahead. You're reading an advertisement. I mean, and then plus, you know, baking pans, spoons, contests, all kinds of things, all kinds of things. But one of the big issues here is because now it's like, you know, we're trying to get chemicals out of food. And I know I kind of fell in love with these women who were looking so hard for shortcuts. At one point, they're trying smelling salts in wow. their baked, their, you know, wheat in baked goods. And I guess they figure, you know, if I can get you up off the floor when you're passed out, I ought to be able to get that flour right up there. Um, you know, but now it reminded me of because you remember, was it a couple of weeks ago, everybody was doing NyQuil chicken? Yes, I heard it. I don't know about it, but I because, heard about it. Because yes. we, we don't usually go to our medicine cabinet when we're making muffins or yes. bread or something, you know, or food when we're, we're cooking. But the these women, I just want to say, these autonomous American women who had educated themselves and learned how to cook with corn and other strange flora and fauna, corn was unknown in Europe. Yeah. Corn is yeah. native to the Americans, and they've got cornmeal. And yeast doesn't do jack to cornmeal because it is gluten-free. Got it. Right? Got so, it. so these women had educated themselves, learned how to cook, and who experimented with leaveners could, that could strip paint off floorboards. They were, <laughs> not, they were not risk averse. They were outspoken about their food, religion, education, and political issues. They were concerned with morality, healthy eating, and care of their families. Yet not one of these writers, these cookbook writers, raised her voice in protest against the pearl ash, sal volatile, which is smelling salts, or any other chemical additive. Mm. So why not? Because these yeah. were a boon. These were a huge help to these women, these chemical leaveners. They were convenient, inexpensive, and they were regarded as healthier than yeast. So... American housewife consumers did not want local, state, or federal governments to label, regulate, or remove chemical leaveners. They uh, wanted they wanted better chemical leaveners. So this it. is the problem early on is that they just they don't work optimally. And got if it. you don't stir them in properly, or sometimes you'll still see recipes um, that call for baking soda to be dissolved in milk or I, in water. I, I, I've read that. I've read that's that. Holdover. Yeah. Yeah. That's a holdover. So who was the, so what happened? So all of a sudden, so, so somebody made a, someone got a patent, but then companies all of a sudden said there is money here and let's, let's pa package it up and market it. Yeah, the formula was very easy. You had baking soda, which is a mineral, which Arm & Hammer started commercially in the 1840s. Got it. And you, you had a buffer, which was cornstarch, which now everybody's like, yeah, cornstarch, cornstarch. Yeah. Back then, that was cutting edge technology. Got it. It was a new product. So you have baking soda, a cornstarch buffer, and then you have another, you have an acid you have a second leavening agent. So, except for cream of tartar, which was the royal baking powder, the byproduct of winemaking, which you just combined with baking soda. And 
Even now, you'll still see recipes that call for cream of tartar and baking soda, when all it is is baking powder. Got and it. that recipe is 100 years old. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, people are like, oh, I don't have cream of tartar. It's like, you got baking powder, a bet. More people have baking powder in their cabinets than cream of tartar. Yes. So they make in the in your in the synopsis of your book on Amazon, they talked about um, and because you had said foods political. And see, I say this to people all the time, Linda, and people go, what do you mean? I said, how can it not be political? We fight wars over food. We fight the wars over the land that produced the food. What are you talking about? Yeah. Food is political. Look at the politi our political system today in our food chain. Right. And lack of food causes yeah. revolutions. The yeah. French Revolution and bread. The Russian but how revolution. did it get into, so were there lawsuits and politicians bought off and there was there total corruption? Yes. In That's fact, what I thought. Was, Denise, I mean, it, uh, un, unbelievable. Um, it was so huge. People were blown away by it. They said, this is like the biggest advertising scheme. It's like up, up there with Rockefeller or down there with Rockefeller. You know, and Standard Oil was how gotcha. big it was. Um, so Royal Baking Powder continues to lose market share. And at one point, there were over 500 baking powder companies in the United States because wow. anybody who had a little grocery store or, you know, or a little stand in the middle of anywhere could get, because the railroads reached everywhere, you could get cans or bottles, you could get labels, you could get the baking uh, soda, you could get the cornstarch and sodium aluminum phosphate or so sodium aluminum sulfate. You could get this other leavening agent and then just combine them. And, and people were, were making their own. Yeah, Small there were formulas all over the place. Yeah. So you've got, I mean, these brands, like I said, over 500 and they're all with this new technology and they're cheaper than Royal. They're more effective. They're more potent. And Royal baking powder is now is, this is where they go after them. And you see headlines in newspapers above the fold, because this is in what we would call advertainment or something. It's not news, but it was presented as hard news. Royal right. baking powder had contracts with, thousands of newspapers. And this was a time when the country was driven by newspapers. And this is how you got your news was your, your little town had a newspaper. And here above the fold is, is it malaria or is it baking powder? Oh my you know, God. This family so a smear was, campaign. A smear yeah, campaign. This family was reported, you know, reportedly taken ill. And the physician said they had just consumed biscuits made with X brand baking powder. Oh and my God. Now, and the doctor goes, you know, I was there because the guy cut his hand, you know, while he was milking, <laughs> you know, or something. And the family writes to the newspaper. The doctor writes to the newspaper, and the newspaper goes, I'm so sorry, we can't do anything. We have a contract with this company, with Royal Baking Powder, that says that once we print a story about them, we cannot retract it and we cannot print comments about it from anybody, including the people involved. Got it. You know, as much as things have changed, it doesn't sound all that different, Linda, from smear campaigns in today's- On the internet. 
You know what I mean? It's the same thing. We just don't have the newspapers anymore. Right. What what do you think? I I mean, you must have been, I I would have been, I'm floored listening to you. I'm floored um, because I've read part of the book on Amazon, gave me some free pages. When you went to sell it, Linda, to sell the book, were people just shocked? I mean, I would have thought that, did people read this and just say, I had no idea? Because that's what I would have said. Um, yeah, it, it was even people in the Midwest where a lot of it happened. It's because it's University of Illinois Press. Because the biggest thing that happened finally is, is a, in a last ditch effort, um, Royal just went and flat out bribed the state Senate in Missouri. And they bribed the state Senate to pass a law declaring that all other baking powders except Royal were poison and they got removed from the shelves. So, I mean, it's it's like, I mean, the way people found out about it, you know, you're a grocer in a little town, you have a little, your little mom and pop store. It's like, you know, the middle of the night you're sleeping. It's like, hello, police, (laughs) we're arresting you for selling X brand baking powder. And I, you know, is there a WTF department somewhere? Um, And then you got court cases and finally, but people were getting wise and you see memos in the Department of Agriculture warning people, don't, whatever you do, do not get involved in this. This is a trade war. And as new public federal agencies got created, they started pulling them in. So you'll get the Department of Agriculture, the Bureau of Chemistry, then the Federal Trade Commission, because it's like, they're false advertising against me because Royal was saying that these other baking powders were made with old forks and spoons. They were made with aluminum. Oh my God. You know, ground up old utensils. Yes. And of course, as we know now, people will believe anything. Yes. Now I'm going to tell you something. I cannot thank you enough for this. I hope that people listening to us when they go to get their baking powder out of their cabinet, because we've got lots of bakers that listen to us, that they will think, oh my God. And thank you for your your research and read it. Now I'm going to tell you something, Linda, again. And all Linda, but Linda's books are on Amazon.com. Like you said, with the Southern California historians of which I'm still a member, they've been doing live ones again because they could, but I think they do have a um, library of when people have spoken before. Yes. So that, yeah. So that people could go and listen to you speak on one or two of these subjects. I think it's just absolutely fascinating. Um, And I want to thank you for your time again. I know you're busy and for you to take so much time out of your day to day to talk to us. I appreciate it so much. Now, what's the last word we want to say about baking powder? I don't even know what brand of baking. I think I buy Clabber Girl. Isn't that one of the originals? Yeah, Clabber Girl is not known very much um, in the East Coast because it was Rumford that started out here. The Harvard professor started Rumford. Then you got Davis in New Jersey. Clabber Girl came out of Indiana, Terre Haute, Indiana, German immigrant family, German Catholic immigrant family, which is in the 1920s where I get into the Ku Klux Klan in Indiana because they hated immigrants and they hated Catholics. And and they marched down the street right in front of the Clabber Girl 
offices and the, the factory and the businesses was, you know, in full regalia. Um, but Clabber Girl, kind of the punchline to this whole thing, the money from Clabber Girl baking powder financed the Indy 500. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is why if you look there, you know, there were always signs of clabber clabber girl when it's the cars were driving around i mean i can see it because i know to look for it sure um, clabber girl was sold it was a family-owned business until the last four or five years oh my um, god but in the 1940s the last chapter is about this is about um the owner of clabber girl deciding to buy this old broken down racetrack and everybody said you're going to lose all the money you made on baking powder. You're going to lose the family fortune on this ramshackle broken down. It's a tear down. What are you doing? It's made out of bricks. And of course it's the brickyard is what the Indy 500 is known as. I mean, they have some of the bricks yes. are still there, but you know, it was started by Louis Chevrolet and others, and then fell into disrepair during the depression and world war ii so he, he revived it again after world war ii but everybody was sure he was out of his mind but you see this entrepreneurial spirit yes, where exactly. you know you've had this too i'm sure everybody where you know everybody tells you oh what are you doing are you out of your are you you're gonna just fall on your face yeah. here and it's like not gonna happen I, I trust myself. Linda, thank you so much. If people, we when we broadcast Linda's podcast, we put information up. Cindy puts everything up on our Facebook page, Women Beyond a Certain Age. So please, people, when you want to know more about Linda, you can go to the links we supply and also Amazon. So Linda, thank you again. Cindy, thank you for everything you do and keeping the... The train on the tracks. My head is spinning from thinking about the corruption in the in ba who knew in baking powder. Who knew that innocuous little can you have in your cupboard? And you, my I've by the way, I'm not sure I've ever used baking powder when it wasn't out of date and it still worked. So I'm thankful <laughs> very much because I don't buy it very often. So thanks everybody. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Linda. Thank you. Thank you, Denise.